Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we welcome Dr. Aaron Keneally. people prevention is priceless and the cure for cancer is prevention because once you already have a runaway train it's it has a high probability of crashing so you know i tell people whatever you resist persists and gets bigger i'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate one billion people I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Today's episode is all about cancer the untold truth about cancer with a brilliant doctor, Aaron Keneally, who is a medical doctor. And oh my, you are going to be so shocked at the statistics out there when it comes to cancer. Why we have this epidemic, is cancer normal? Are we designed to develop cancer in our lifetime? And if we're not, why is it so common these days? So we're gonna get into the truth and you might not like the truth, but please have an open mind here and do some research when you're done listening to this episode. We also get into how long it takes to diagnose cancer, meaning by the time your doctor says you have cancer, how long has that cancer been developing in your body? The answer will shock you. Then we get into testing. What are the specific blood markers that you wanna look at to be preventative here, to be proactive not reactive. So Dr. Keneally lists all of her favorite blood tests and other advanced testing that she does at her clinic. So you could be at the forefront here, the victor of your future and not become the victim. Then we get into vitamin D. Why is vitamin D so important? And if it is important, which it is, why are so many people deficient in vitamin D? We discuss the benefits of keto and fasting against cancer. And you will not believe how many receptor sites of glucose are found on a cancer cell. (laughs) Wait till you hear that answer. And then we get into, at the end of the podcast, what Dr. Keneally, I asked Dr. Keneally this, what is the number one cause of cancer? And her answer will be enlightening. So before we bring her on the show, I wanna say thank you to you. Thank you for choosing the Keto Camp Podcast, for helping us accomplish a top 15 podcast rating here in the United States alternative health category. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for pressing play. And hey, if you're brand new, hit the subscribe button. We release a brand new episode of the Keto Camp Podcast every Monday, every Friday. We have some of the leaders in the space of ancestral health. We had Dr. Jason Fung, Dr. Ken Berry, Dr. Pampa, Dr. Mindy Peltz, and other legends you know, Benjamin Bickman, Megan Ramos, Cynthia Thurlow. I mean, I could go on and on and on with the names that we've had on the show. I want to take a minute here to get to the Apple podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Pastor Lance 79. 
The title is Raise Your Keto Game to Next Level. I was a little familiar with the ketogenic diet and was always looking for new information. When I stumbled upon Ben's podcast and started listening, it was so helpful and so much useful information because I myself have struggled with being obese and wanted to find a way to live a healthier lifestyle. I am so grateful for Ben and for Keto Camp and the information and all the helpful tips that this podcast provides. It is inspiring and motivational, and as I also share things that I've learned with others around me, thank you, Ben. Wow, Pastor Lance, thank you for taking the time to write that review. I'm so grateful you find the podcast informative and inspiring, and good job sharing it with your community. That's what it's all about. Share it with a friend, a family member. It could save your life. This is the information that saves lives that puts us at the forefront of our health. So kudos to you. I love how you said healthier lifestyle, not just a diet or a fad. Uh, Proud of you, Lance. Keep it going. Keep listening. Keep taking action and keep healing. Hey, if you haven't left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or a review yet, please do so on Apple Podcasts. And when you do leave that honest rating and review, take a screenshot of it. Email that screenshot to support at ketocamp.com and when we see it I will personally sign a paperback copy of my best-selling fasting book and mail it out to you as a thank you so United States only put your United States shipping address and we'll mail it out to you as a thank you for leaving the show an honest rating and review because ratings and reviews are the lifeline of podcasts it helps the show grow it helps to reach more people. So please do so and we will thank you by sending you a signed copy of my book. So that is support at ketocamp.com. I want to encourage you to also take a screenshot of this episode of the Keto Camp podcast on your phone and post it on Instagram. I love it when you keto campers post those screenshots of the Keto Camp podcast and shoot me a tag at the Benazadi and shoot Dr. Connolly a tag at Connolly MD. And when I see it, I'll share it. We'll get some other keto campers following you back. Also, be sure to check out the notes and resources and everything that we're going to discuss on this episode in the podcast notes down below. We have Rachel who puts it all together for you in a nice structure with timestamps and links and resources. So be sure to take advantage of that by looking in the notes of this podcast. All right, let's find out the truth about cancer. Dr. Aaron Keneally medical doctor is a prominent leader in the integrative and functional medicine medical field, taking the best of all sciences, including conventional, homeopathic, Eastern medicine, and the new modern medicine. She is the medical director for two amazing clinics, the Cancer Center for Healing and Center for New Medicine. The combined 30,000 square feet clinics have become the largest integrative medical clinic in North America and visited by patients from all over the world with 47,000 patients and growing. The Center for New Medicine focuses on a precise, personalized approach to healthcare that includes prevention, early detection of cancer, and internal medicine, along with yearly physicals, autoimmune disease, natural hormone replacement, chronic issues, and everyone's favorite, aesthetics. Dr. Connolly feels we must treat the whole person, the patient with the disease, and not the disease of the patient while determining the origin of the illness. 
Dr. Connolly is the author of two books, The Cancer Revolution, published in 2017, and before that, the Be Perfectly Healthy book, published in 2009, and has revolutionized the landscape of medicine. In 2017, she was named one of the top 50 functional and integrative doctors in the country. Dr. Connolly began a TV series as a host of Dr. Detective TV, airing on the JUL-TV television network, which began in 2018. She writes for many publications, including Townsend Letter, a prominent medical magazine. She also serves on the board of Dr. Josh Axe, ACAM, and ACIM Connect. Dr. Connolly has over 30 years of experience and has taken numerous advanced courses, including homeopathic, nutritional, and lifestyle approaches while studying diseases, chronic illness, and alternate integrative functional medicine cancer treatments. Dr. Aaron Keneally, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Hi, how are you? Great to be here. Great to be here with you. I'm a big admirer of your work. I was blessed to see you in Newport Beach, California, and in Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, last year when we were having events, and now I'm grateful to, for you to be on my podcast, so thank you for joining me today. Great. Pleasure to be here. So I know your story. It's an amazing story, and I, I love the work that you're doing now, and could you just please share your story and what got you involved with the work that you're doing today? Okay. So first of all, I, I would like to clarify that I'm a medical doctor uh, practicing for about 34 years, and I am a conventionally trained medical doctor, And but I learned very early on that prescribing medication was not going to heal my patients. It was going to fit, treat them, but not fix them. So, and luckily I knew that early on because I am number three of six children and my mother started bleeding when she was pregnant with me. Went to her doctor and her doctor said, you know, we have a medication that can stop the bleeding and preserve the baby. So sure enough, what mother is not going to do that? They're going to listen to their doctor. So sure enough, she did. Then 16 years later, fast forward, they find out that that drug causes harm to the offspring of most of the babies. And the harm was pre, they were having cancer, they had hormone problems, fertility problems, anatomical problems, a whole array of things. And so I'm what they call a DES baby. And so I went to UT School of Public Health did my thesis on DES. And so my whole personal interest is how not to get cancer. And because of the other collateral damage of the DES, I've always had to be focusing on health because my system was just as such. I had presentation of many medical issues because of the DES. And so I learned early on that the basic tenets of health, like I had to follow or I would, you know, the where there'd be one wheel off the car. So uh, I've never had two periods in a row in my life. I had infertility problems. So all my children are scientific experiments. I had 18 hours of back surgery for scoliosis last year. So I've had a lot of medical interventions as a result, specifically as a result of DES. So, you know, today we're talking about cancer and prevention and how eating at keto or 
whatever kind of eating affects cancer and affects your body. And we need to let people know what we know now. And new things are coming out every day. And um, just in eating alone, doctors are not teaching and informing patients that what you eat matters. And the single greatest determinant of health is what is on your fork. So everyone needs to know this, not only in the United States, but all over the world. And so we've got to take the bull by the horns and really, really start educating the world about how to take care of themselves because we don't have enough time, money, and energy to take care of all the sick people in the world because in the United States alone, 50% of the population is suffering from a chronic illness. We rank 43rd in the world. And so that means third world countries are doing better than us. So what we're doing in our paradigm in medicine is not working. So we want these podcasts, all the things that we're trying to get people to know. Unfortunately, they don't want you to know now because of all the different things that are going on. They want you, you know, they want people to use medications, but medications, everyone needs to understand, are toxic to the body and they interfere with something that's naturally supposed to be occurring. So we have to educate and inform people how they can take care of themselves. So you said we rank 43 in the world when it comes to healthcare. Uh, Healthcare, and what are some of more some of the stats when it comes to cancer? From what I've researched, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I've seen that right now the current stats are one out of three women are diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime, and one out of two men. Is that what the current stats are? That's what the current stats. I I basically overtell people it's about one out of two. Uh, I think it's not what we know; it's what we don't know, and so it's rapidly, rapidly changing the stats and so we know that cancer which is a very complicated challenging problem that we need to find every preventive proactive personalized program to prevent cancer is very different than heart disease which is still the number one killer despite the use of statin drugs for 20 years there has not been one decreased not one decreased death because of the use of statins, which is a whole nother problem and discussion. But we do know that cancer is, when people get heart disease, because I know I've been doing this for a long time, and so when people get heart disease, they're concerned, but they feel like it's not a death sentence. Whereas if you get cancer, oh my God, I, you know, I could die. So it's a scarier diagnosis for some reason than heart disease. And heart disease, you can go in, if you get it early enough, you can go in and get a stent, all right? So you get temporary plumbing to help the blood flow. And, you know, it definitely takes away the pain. So, but with cancer, you know, it's not like you just get a little procedure and you're done. No, it's it's like, no. We've got to prevent the metastasis. Well, you know, what was the earthquake that happened to cause this? Heart disease is the same way, but it's just a different kind of earthquake. But everything boils down to what you're putting in your mouth. Right. <laughs> I, I, 
don't care how you slice it. We can't get away. And sugar is an addiction. Yeah. All right. Just like opioids, just like all the other addictions, it's an addiction. And the America, it is a very, very serious addiction. And sugar is in everything. Everything. I mean, people, I told a patient the other day, oh, you know, they said they eat yogurt. And I go, well, that's probably 28 grams of sugar in that yogurt. Okay. So they go, really? And I said, yes. So you're going to start reading labels. Anytime it says carbohydrates, that's sugar. People think sugar when they read the label, sugar. No, carbohydrates are sugar. So we're not taught any of this. In high school, they have a six-week health class. Well, when you're 16, you're, you know, you're kind of like, you think you're superhuman. You think you've got the world by the tail. You don't really pay attention to those courses, right? Because that's not required to get into a good college is a health class, okay? So now, you know, we need to really, really have a worldwide health class, an ongoing health class, because we have new things, new science, new information coming out every single day. And it is, there are wonderful times, but we also don't need to actually make a true effort. You know, I was walking on the beach with my children last weekend and 80% of the population was obese. And you're like, wait, what are we going to do to awaken these people? And their children were obese. And I was like, well, wait, what are we going to do? They're going to have just devastating lives. I don't care what kind of illness, whether you get the flu, whether you get anything, your, your risk of disease and risk of dying is very high. So we have got to really educate people and tell them how much this is medically, healthfully impacting their existence. And you're doing it every single day. I watch you. You mentioned something off air before we hit record where, where you shared that not everybody likes your message, or, or I should say not everybody wants to hear your message because it's the truth, and it could be hard to swallow that truth. And we talked about Jim Rohn, how Jim Rohn said there's two types of pain in this world, either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. So talk a little bit more about that, about this, this truth about cancer that a lot of people don't want to hear right now. Right. Well, because first of all, they go to their oncologist and the oncologist says that your diet or what you eat doesn't matter. So I tell them, have you ever read a book on food that it says you can eat Oreo cookies for breakfast and a macaroni and cheese for lunch and a pizza for dinner? I said, have you ever read a book like that? I mean, when you think about the thousands and thousands and thousands of books written on food, there is nothing that says, you know, eating cookies for breakfast is good, eat, drinking a milkshake, not one book. Okay. So usually after I say that, they're like, yeah, you're, I guess you're right. I will tell you, I do have good news though. For the last five years, I've asked every single patient, so what is the first thing you've done since you've been diagnosed with cancer? Hands down, not 99%, one hundred percent said they changed what they ate they got off sugar they got off alcohol etc amazing so there is hope okay sugar is an addiction food is an addiction today 
just like any other. The problem is, is we have to eat. So when you have other addictions is you just avoid those, that activity. And obviously you do a lot of therapy and lots of treatments. Okay. I mean, food is really no different. Okay. Food and sugar. Most of it is sugar addiction. And so it's no different. And people, unfortunately, they don't want to be strict with their eating program. But if you grew up from birth, you know, let's say you drank miso soup for breakfast and you had eggs in the morning and at lunch, you know, you had a salad with chicken breast and at dinner you had vegetables and a ground green pasture raised hamburger patty. That's all you would know. Okay. But because everybody grows up on cereal, which is basically like eating a candy bar, that's what they know. So we tend to continue doing what we've always done until we learn that that is not the way. I didn't grow up like that, fortunately. So my mother never allowed sugar, I mean, cereal. <laughs> if we had cereal, it was like, woo, we were like, <laughs> Because uh, we'd always like like think we were really living on the high, and when we had a little cereal, so cereal was a like like whoa, we were really breaking the rules. So, but that's normal people's existence is to eat cereal in the mornings or granola. Okay, that's another one. They think granola's healthy. You know, you could probably turn granola into a keto granola. You probably can. Okay, so uh, I know because I have a recipe for it. The problem is the what only awakens people is what? Pain. A pain of a diagnosis. And I tell people the foundation of progress is discipline. Not just in your eating, but in every area of your life. Whether it's being on the computer too many hours whether it's reading too much, exercising too much, you know, not being, not having a social life, et cetera. So it's discipline in all areas of life is where you're going to be most successful. If you're too extreme in any one area, there's no such thing as perfection. Don't ever try to attain perfection because you will be every daily disappointed in yourself because there's no way. I tell people, why do you want to experience pain so you make a change. So in all those people that I ask, that means they knew the difference. They just thought they could get away with it. And that's where we are today, is people think, oh, it's not gonna happen to me. Oh, it's not gonna happen to me. Oh, it's not gonna happen to me. Uh, well, that's all changing because we're living in a nation of illness today, all right? Everyone around them has got cancer or they've got autoimmune disease or they have prediabetes or diabetes or they're overweight or obese or they have, you know, other chronic diseases and we're not, you know, when you're 25, you should be a rock star. You should have great hormones. You should have great everything. All right. But that is not the case. What's going on today. And so we've got to let people know. It's like cigarettes. Cigarettes were advertised in medical journals for 50 years before it said, oh, this is a problem. 
we don't have 50 years. We need to arm people with the information that we have today to restore health to this nation. Everyone says this. If we don't have health, you have nothing. You can't go buy a new body on Amazon today. So you've got to work with yourself. You've got to take a look at yourself. You've got to examine it. There is enough information online, in YouTubes, in podcasts, in Google, to know how to be healthy, okay? So there's great instructors all over the internet on how to be healthy, whether it's exercise, the eating. I mean, you got to do it all. You have to do it all. And you listen to all of them and the people who make sense, it's your gut level feel, that's what you should be doing. But your doctor should be partnering up with a doctor that's an integrative practitioner or a health coach to say, okay, where am I going? What am I doing? It's going to be the best investment that you'll make in your life. I tell people prevention is priceless. And the cure for cancer is prevention because once you already have a runaway train, it's it has a high probability of crashing. So, you know, I tell people, whatever you resist persists and gets bigger. That's right. Einstein said it best too. He said, intellectuals solve problems and geniuses prevent them. So let's all be geniuses just like you are. On average, how long does it take before a doctor diagnoses a patient with cancer? Well, from one cancer cell, because so what this is what people don't realize, that cancer starts with just one aberrant, erroneous, wild, crazy cell, okay? So it starts replicating itself. So when it becomes a tumor visible on a scan, ultrasound, or whatever imaging you get, it's 10 years old. So that means you had nine years of opportunity to check to see if you have cancer. And now with the technology we have today, with liquid biopsies and sophisticated blood tests, we know with a very high accuracy rate if people have cancer. And you can, like I said before, it is so much easier to prevent the illness from occurring. Like I will tell you today, I had a gentleman from Nashville call me and he's only 40 years old because it doesn't matter now age, it doesn't make, used to be that older people, older than 60 got cancer, but it's not like that anymore. So he's 40, and I always ask people, like, what, did, what was your first symptom? And cancer's silent, and it's silent, why? Because it is so tiny, so infinitely small. So you don't feel anything. And so blood tests, most of the time, do not show anything. All right, typical blood. I'm talking about typical blood test. So he went to the doctor because he had bleeding in his rectum. Okay, so the nurse practitioner said, okay, well, let's do these tests and, you know, let's do a check for blood in the stool. And supposedly it was negative. He goes, well, you need to go see the nutritionist to see if you need to make dietary changes. Because I'm sure she thought that the nurse practitioner thought that he was too young to probably have something. And so sure enough, now nine months later, the tumor was so big that he had to have emergency surgery and it already metastasized to the liver. So now he's, and he just has a nine week old. And this guy 
said he'd always, he looked very healthy on the Zoom visit, but he'd always really been healthy and exercised and, you know, done everything. But just so people know, colon cancer in young people, 25 to 35, is growing exponentially. So the American Medical Association changed when to do a colonoscopy from 50 to 45. But then I'm like, well, they're going to miss all the young people. So there's testing now that, we, that we're going to talk about later that tells us, you know, that something may be brewing, simmering, and fermenting in your body. So I always tell people it doesn't necessarily take a symptom to know if you have cancer. There's a lot of people that feel great and have cancer. So there's not necessarily a sign, a symptom. But if you have a sign or symptom, go get checked by a doctor who's not just a conventionally trained doctor, but a conventionally trained medical doctor who's learned all the new medicine, the new modern medicines, what I call. And so, because they've gone back to school and studied in depth the new findings that we're finding every day today anyway so you're right it takes 10 years and so you're not going to have any signs and symptoms a lot of the time just like heart disease heart disease is silent cancer is silent also that's why we have to start practicing preventive proactive personalized medicine because first of all there's no two people alike your fingerprint, you know, when you do that fingerprint, there's no one like you, okay? So your insights, there's no one like you. Even if patients have the same exact diagnosis, let's say they both have colon cancer, same age, same birthday, same pathology, their cancer is completely different than that person. Because why? Because the genetics of each person, not your personal genetics, the genetics of the cancer is unique to you. So that's why some things work, sometimes partially work, sometimes don't work. That's the way it is. Because eventually, they will be mapping out the cancer genome of each individual patient and unraveling that cancer genome to heal them. That's the future of oncology. So because of the uniqueness, right now they're doing a cookie cutter approach for every person because that's what it is. You know, here you might need surgery and here's your chemos for this particular diagnosis. And then you may need radiation and then that's it. Nothing about lifestyle, nothing about how did this come about? What happened to you 10 years ago for this to incite this abnormal progression of cells? Well, and what's the five-year survival rate for somebody who does chemo? 2%. So that's published in two journals. And so I tell people, even if you do all that, the survival rate is 2.3, 2.4%. That's crazy. Those are, but those are the people who don't change anything else. They just do their chemo. They think that saved them. Right. They don't change their lifestyle. So if you change your lifestyle, obviously it's a different percentage. But that is so low. Right. Very, very, very low. So, and and they don't, their doctors don't tell them that either. Right. So, and you know, I always tell people it's not a good idea to give bad statistics because what happens is, is people get that bad statistic in their brain and that they write their own death sentence. 
So right. what we have to do is say, look, let's look at all the invincible possibilities for your particular situation, whether it's conventional or outside the box. That's what we have to do. And we've got to take everything we know in the world, not everything we know in the United States. There are people all over the world that know a lot of things. We need to collaborate and cooperate all the time with every single person, finding the best non-injurious, non-toxic therapies to help every human being. Amen. I want to get into some of those advanced blood tests, some of the blood test markers we should be requesting to determine our risk of cancer, and then some other testing that you do at your clinic. All right. So first of all, I do routine testing. Let's say you're 25 years old. I always tell people, I don't assume a 25-year-old is healthy. I used to say from zero to 40, you're on a warranty plan. And then 40 to 60 are on the semi-warranty, and then 60 is pure repair, upkeep, and maintenance. But now I don't say that anymore because uh, I have too many 25-year-olds with cancer or 30-year-olds with cancer. So I can't say that anymore. So when I do the blood test, I always check the chemistry panel, which looks at your electrolytes, kidney, liver, okay? Let's just stop there. 50% of the population has a condition called fatty liver. So we need to be checking liver enzymes. So there's a 50% chance that liver is elevated. Okay. So you look at ALT, ALT, AST. Yes, exactly. Then cholesterol, I'm not really concerned about because they found out that 50% of people who die from heart disease have low cholesterol. So cholesterol is the least really of our problems right now. Then I always do a thyroid blood test. The thyroid blood test is your thyroid's like the battery to your body. If you have low thyroid, your whole body can't work and you're high risk of cancer. Then I do a blood test called the hemoglobin A1C. So the hemoglobin A1C is a reflection of your sugar over 90 days. In the chemistry panel, it checks your random sugar. I tell people that's a commercial of your blood sugar. I need the movie. The movie is the hemoglobin A1C. So the movie, you know, who wants to see the commercial? You want to see the dark movie, right? <laughs> right, yeah. So, especially if you're a clinician. So the hemoglobin A1C, so about, I think about 75% of the population is either pre-diabetic or diabetic. Wow. Okay. Yep. So I always tell people, whatever you read, increase it because they're not checking a lot of people. Okay. Because I'm most of the people I see when I get their blood tests from other doctors, They've done very little of the blood test, okay? And so when I look at the hemoglobin A1C, for your listeners, that's a reflection of your sugar over 90 days. So they developed that because diabetics would come in and go, oh, yeah, I'm eating perfectly. Well, they eat perfectly for that day. Then the other 89 days, they didn't eat that good. So the hemoglobin A1C is a lie detector if your blood sugar is good or not. So you know. So I am a fanatic about it. Because we know that you have microscopic damage of a hemoglobin A1C over 5.2, which is really low, okay? But, you know, we want to optimize our body. That's what you're going to have the best chance if we optimize our body. Because what does elevated blood sugar cause? Everything. Heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, and every other disease. Because what does high sugar do? 
it paralyzes every cell in every function of your body. So the best thing you can do is make sure that hemoglobin A1C is optimal, okay? I mean, there isn't anything it doesn't affect, okay? Then I do something called the CRP. CRP stands for C-reactive protein. Time and Newsweek, 10 or 12 years ago, front page of their magazines was a picture of fire. And it was all about inflammation in the body. Inflammation's fire in the body. You should have a level of 0.5. And these are blood tests that anyone can order. They can order them on themselves, okay? Then they can take my book and see what they should be and what they shouldn't be. So you don't really need a doctor to do it. You can order from direct labs and get your own blood test done, which I highly encourage people to read because if you read my book, it tells you what the optimal levels are. So the CRP is a non-specific marker, non-specific meaning it doesn't tell me where it's coming from. It just tells me that you have inflammation. Well, inflammation is the precursor to every disease process, every disease process. So, but with cancer, because we're specifically talking about cancer, it's a very, very great marker. So anything over 0.5, I consider one, okay, we got to go. Well, we got to go down the rabbit hole to see what the problem is. So can okay. somebody can somebody be developing cancer and still have a 0.5 or lower C-reactive protein? Yeah. Probably. There's no there's no C non non quant. You know, I always tell people don't ever use one test as your marker or as your as your guide. You're you're gonna put a constellation of symptoms and lap. Okay. But is it, it unlikely? It's unlikely. Yeah. Okay. It's unlikely, but you know, I'm always pleasantly surprised every day. Of what I see. So I always tell people, if I got all the information I have from from a patient, I can pretty much sure with a pretty very high certainty that they're okay, okay, with the testing I do. So then um, there is the DHEA. So DHEA is the number one hormone made by your adrenal glands. Your adrenal glands sit on top of your kidney. And they are responsible for keeping you alive. So DHEA is the main hormone. And your lower DHEA predisposes you to cancer. So the adrenal glands are your stress, immune, and longevity glands. So we want those optimal also. Then there is a good marker um, that they check in urine and blood called HCG. HCG stands for human chorionic gonadotropin. It is the hormone of pregnancy, and it's also the hormone of malignancy. It is not always positive in a blood test, but it can be a good marker. And there's a lab, I forget the name of it, in Philippines that will check your HCG in your urine for like 50 bucks. And it's been around for a long time. Again, don't use one indicator. You've got to get a picture of your, you know, the body's a puzzle. So you got to figure out the puzzle in its entirety. One piece does not make the puzzle. So I will use that. It's usually more helpful in women than it is men. So that's, you know, then you can do tumor markers, PSA for men, breast tumor markers, CEA. CEA is a non-specific tumor marker for a lot of cancers. But what I have found over testing thousands of patients is that tumor markers are about 50% helpful. I have patients every day that come in here 
who are stage four cancer and their tumor markers are normal. So you're like, how's this happening? You know, so that's why we never use one marker for cancer. All right. Those patients would have other inflammatory markers elevated? Most likely. Okay. Okay. Then I always check hormones because like, for example, low testosterone is going to predispose somebody to cancer, right? And a male in cancer. Actually, hormonal imbalances women will tend to increase the risk of cancer because you have too much estrogen and not enough progesterone or too little testosterone, et cetera, you're going to have an imbalance. And you can have an imbalance at 25. I would say that probably 75% of males that are young, 25-year-olds, have low testosterone. So they're going to, it's going to have very serious ramifications for them. Now, so those are blood tests that you can do and, and vitamin D, because vitamin D is influences over 3,000 genes, and a lot of them play a role in cancer prevention. So we know that low vitamin D increases your risk of dying from corona, from cancer, from any other illness. So vitamin D is critical, and 99% of the patients that walk in here are deficient in vitamin D. 99%. Wow, 99. So when you say deficient, do you mean below 70? No, below 30 so what what is your optimal range of vitamin D? About fifty. Okay, fifty. So they those ninety nine percent are below fifty. Is what you're saying, or below or even below thirty? Even below thirty. Oh my gosh! In California. Yes. In California, and that's people, including people that play volleyball on the beach. Wow. Hey, I want to take a brief minute to share something with you. For many years, I used to take fish oil and recommend it, and I see a lot of people in the keto space overdoing it with fish oil. There are several reasons why I am not a fan of fish oil and why I stopped recommending it to all of my clients several years ago. Number one, 83% of fish oil is expected to be rancid on the shelf before you even consume it. There was also an experiment done. This study was called the Iowa Screening Experiment. This study showed it took 18 weeks to reverse the negative effect of the incorporation of EPA and DHA from fish oil into the cell membrane. Another study found that fish oil increased the risk of colon cancer in mice. Here's the quote. We found that mice developed deadly late-stage colon cancer when given high doses of fish oil. More importantly, with the increased inflammation, it only took four weeks for the tumors to develop. Simply put, I stopped taking it. I stopped recommending it. I use a plant-based omega from Pureform. This supplement is nitrogen-infused, which preserves and protects it. It has the proper balance of omega-6 to omega-3, and most importantly, it gives you the derivatives, the building blocks, they're called parent essential oils, for you to produce your own EPA and DHA. If you wanna learn more about Pureform, head over to purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4, that is B-E-N, the number four, at checkout, and you'll get $4 off your capsules of Pureform. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. All right, let's go back to this episode. Why is that? Is it because their diet is so bad that they're not able to synthesize the vitamin D? Like, why can't they their body make the vitamin D if they're getting sun? Yeah, I think we have so much going on uh, environmentally that we're not absorbing. And I think with all the environmental and EMFs, it's changing the way our body's responding and reacting. Because how can I see it on every single person? Every, hands down, there's not, and all the, it's not just me because I work with seven other practitioners. 
it's across the board. Yeah. I see it in most, but 99% is super high. It's very high. It's terrible. So vitamin D is crucial. I tell people if there's two supplements that everyone should take would be vitamin D and oils. Those are the top two things. If you and those what, are, what do you mean by oils? Like omegas. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. So omegas, omegas from fish or vegetarian, depending on a personal person's preference. But those are the two things. Why? Because our cells need an oil change every day. Mm. So. And too many people are getting in the wrong oils, like the vegetable oils. So we yes, need to replace this. Exactly. What you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. So if they're eating it, we got you're replacing it with good oils. You know, but it's never good to eat bad oils because right. why? Every cell of your body, the wall is made up of something called the essential fatty acids. They're called essential because you must have them. And so what happens on that wall? Well, there's over 30,000 receptor sites for all the functions to take place in your cell 24-7. And you have, you know, over 50, 75 trillion cells. That's goes 12 zeros. So you've got a lot going on. So you need those omegas every single day. And you need that D every single day. So... What about markers like LDH and um, uh, ferritin and homocysteine? Are those also good to test? They're also good to test, but, you know, what I always kind of figure out, okay, well, we'll do an initial workup. So let's go through those. Ferritin is a storage of iron. Why is iron so bad? It's like everything else in our body. Too much sugar is bad, too much inflammation, too much homocysteine, too much anything, too much calcium, too much anything is not healthy for you. So it's very important that we get optimal levels of our iron and ferritin. So iron is the mineral that floats around and makes your red blood cells healthy. Ferritin is the storage of iron. Well, it's interestingly enough, a lot of people have elevated ferritin and just don't know it because there's a condition called hemochromatosis. And the hemochromatosis is an inherited disorder that you store iron. And so that means you need to get your blood drawn frequently or you go donate blood as long as you don't have any medical problems. So an ideal ferritin would be about 50. Now, another reason ferritin is getting so high now is because people's livers are not healthy and they're, they're, dis- they're disturbing their normal metabolism of iron through your liver. So that's another reason because I see it a lot now. Now, cancer patients are having a problem with their bone marrow metabolism and having, they have bone marrow suppression, so they will have elevated ferritin. Their iron may be low, but their ferritin is high. So what is so bad about high ferritin? It's very, very, very inflammatory. It is very, very hard on the body. And it's stored in the brain, any parts of the body, and then you get to the point where it doesn't function at all anymore. So that's ferritin. Now, homocysteine is a key marker a lot in heart disease and obviously, you know, methylation issues, okay? So homocysteine should be about nine, okay? And Another marker I like to use is something called MTHFR, methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase, which is the enzyme that influences normal DNA metabolism, which your body does all day long, 24 hours, seven days a week. So if you have a defect in that, and cancer is a DNA erroneous 
reaction that's taking place in your body. And 50% of the population has MTHFR. So that means we need to be checking everyone's methylation issues today. And we do here. We may not do it on the first visit because we try to get their insurance to cover everything. So I may do it like, okay, this is what we're going to do next time. And this is what we're going to do the next time, you know, so forth. And then the LDH, I find it can sometimes be helpful. But in a patient that really doesn't have a lot going on, it's not going to be helpful. If someone were to have advanced illness, it could be very helpful. It'll show the body's being as catabolic. It's breaking down protein excessively. Right. Okay. Exactly. So we will, well, you know, when it's already high, that means it's already, you know, not good. What's, so what's high? Thinking, what do you consider high? Uh, probably, well, I definitely don't want over probably, I'd start really being concerned about 185. Okay. So uh, 200, you know. In medicine today, we have these huge, wide ranges for everything. And what we want to be is right in the middle, if you know what I'm saying. And so, and what happens if people don't realize that we are actually creating normal values with sick people? Because what they do is they do an average of 100 patients with two standard deviations, and they don't say, are you, they don't make sure the patient's healthy, Right. So they're checking on people, just all random people. Well, what about if you took op- really, really optimal, healthy people and you knew, you verified they were healthy, we'd have do- new numbers. Yeah, and that's the numbers that you're expressing here today. So yeah, the, exactly. it's the standard reference range and then the functional ranges that we're talking about here. Yeah, well, optimal range. Op- optimal ranges. I mean, let's face it, you could do thousands and thousands of tests on somebody too. I remember when they analyzed chemicals in people's blood, it's like, I mean, they spent like $30,000 to analyze all the chemicals in people's blood, you know, and that's just one, one thing, one parameter. So you could really go on and on and on with blood testing. So, but it becomes cost prohibitive. And then the insurance companies, why did you order this? And da, 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 da. So you deal with that more often now. So, I mean, just to get a PET scan ordered, a lot of times is a pain in the butt. So, and I want to transition because, man, I just there's so many questions I could ask you. You're so you're so brilliant, and I love your answers. Uh, I want to transition from my research of you, and you could correct me if I got this wrong. I have in my notes, which stuck with me the moment you said it. Uh, you said thirty thousand receptor sites on an average cell, and you had mentioned before in a talk, a lecture, that. Um, a cancerous cell has 64 receptor sites for glucose. A healthy cell has one receptor site. Is that four, true? Four. four. Four receptor sites. So explain more. That's insane. Okay. Well, I always tell people, we'll start out with the obvious. When we order a PET scan, what is a PET scan? They tell you to not eat, and they give you radioactive glucose. And they're looking, the end result is to look for cancer cells that light up. Because what do they do? They eat sugar. Mm. So it's so, like a Christmas tree lighting up in your in exactly. your body. So, so a PET scan will pick up anything about five millimeters and above. So a PET scan is proof of concept that cancer cells eat sugar. Okay, I think some eat more. Some cancer some cancers eat more and some eat less. Okay. So it is a, you know, sugar is just a big, big problem to begin with. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a big problem. 
So cancer cells have what they call insulin-like growth factors set on their membrane. And that's one of one of the many, many, many markers on a cancer cell. And then there's an enzyme called P13K that was discovered several years ago. And that is one of the biggest signal factor. It's the single biggest factor in cancer because this molecule gets mutated in cancer and it drives the growth and spread of cancer. So sugar is just our enemy and we all need to understand it. I know it's everywhere, omnipresent all the time, but it is one of the keys to health is to not eat sugar because once you eat it, you create this, you know, dopamine surge and, uh, and a whole bunch of other cascade of chemical reactions that take place in your body. So the first thing you have to do is you've got to stop the feeding of the cancer cell. So the first, so thankfully these, you know, all the patients have, you know, done that, you know, when they come here. So it's interesting that we live in the subconscious, right? 95% of the time we live in the subconscious. And what does that mean? You drive every day, right? Now you don't really think about your driving. You don't go, okay, I'm going to put the car in reverse and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to drive. And then I'm going to, you know, you don't think about it because it's so automatic. Our systems are so automatic of what we learned and what we've done until we start to say, okay, what am I doing? Mindfulness of self is so critical and so important. And verifying what we're doing is really gonna be healthy and good for us. And we're living in 2020 today, we have those resources now. We know about meditation, we know about sleep, we know about water, we know about eating, we know, we, we know so much. But the doctors delivering care, they have to go back to school to learn what I've learned. I mean, I, I didn't learn this in medical school. I've had to learn over the last 34 years, and I'm learning every single day. I'm learning something new, okay? There's something new every day that we're all learning. And so because I get patients that literally, they've exhausted all options, okay? They've done everything every procedure, every chemo, every clinical trial, and they are fighting for their life. And so I've got to continue to read to see what the world is going to provide for, for them. And believe it or not, there's you know always an amazing thing coming down the pike all the time. If you research and read, and as long as it's not going to hurt a patient, I'm all for it. If it's got a lot of side effects and a lot of downside, well, you know, I have to tell them, okay, well, this could happen. And, uh, you know, that's the gamble that everybody takes. You know, when you're in a clinical trial, it's a gamble. So I, w I just want them to be on a clinical trial that it's not going to provide lots of damage and, and, and be injurious to the patient because the cure can't be worse than the disease. So... So we have to think about that as practitioners, is how is this going to hurt or affect our patient? So we know sugar is bad for us, uh, lights up cancer in the PET scan. So the opposite of that is something like a ketogenic lifestyle, ketosis. So how do you utilize keto with your patients and what are your favorite benefits of a ketogenic lifestyle? Right. Well, so everything is about starving the cancer. Okay. And there's a great book on starving cancer. 
And one of the biggest things that we're going to talk about today is sugar. Okay. It's getting off sugar. So when I have a patient that comes in and they're overweight, and when I say overweight, you know, I'm talking like 10 or more pounds overweight. So I will suggest to them to fast. And because they're all scared, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do surgery, I don't want to chemo, I don't, you know, a lot of the patients, they've already had a family member that they've seen suffer tremendously. So they're like, Dr. Kinley, just tell me everything I can do that's not going to hurt me. So I go, okay, well, the best, least expensive thing you can do is fast. And so they look at me like, what? I'm like, yep, fasting's been around for thousands of years. There's a great documentary called The Science of Fasting. And fasting is getting rid of garbage out of your body. That's just the bottom line of what it does, okay? So I had a pay. I'll tell you a story. I had a patient who had breast cancer, and she was wanted to do this. And in four weeks, her tumor shrank 50%. Just fasting. Right, yeah. Like daily, daily intermittent fasting, or did no, she do a multi-day fasting, fast? Water, like, water, 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 water every day. That's it. But for how, how long? For fourteen days, days she did days. a thirty-day fast, and it shrunk by fifty percent. Amazing. Yeah, I had a patient come in the other day, forty-seven years old, diagnosed with breast cancer, scared to pieces, and so her liver function tests were abnormal. So I ordered an ultrasound. And so at the this was all at the beginning of her visit. And so I said, okay, um, I need you to go see a surgeon to see we need to get this biopsied, et cetera. So I, she goes, well, what can I do right now? So I said, okay, can you go on a fast? And so I, all the patients always say, well, what do you mean by that? Because they think fasting, like they've heard intermittent fasting, right? I go, no, this isn't intermittent. This is, it's called no eating and drinking water. And so they're like, really? And I go, yes, really. So I ask people, how many days do you think you could fast? So they say, oh, yeah, I can do one day. I can do two days, five days, whatever. I said, okay, let's start out with one day and then get that down. So if someone says, Dr. Keely, I can fast. Just tell me how many days and I'll do it. So I go, okay, then do it for 30 days. So the longest I've ever had is 30 days. All right. Awesome. But patients, t- I see the dramatic. I had a patient also who had breast cancer, did fasting, and the lesion that was on her liver was gone. Okay, because I had to do an I did an ultrasound. There was something. So she was scared. And then I did an MRI because I took time to get, you know, and by the she'd already been fasting. And so that whole thing was gone. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm so relieved. So she goes, okay, I can do that fasting. No problem. I can continue doing that. So, cause she saw such good results and the patients feel so much better. I will tell every person out there that the first three days are bare. They are. But once you get over the three days, you know, you get this, you get this high, you know, if you read about it, if you read and study fasting, pretty much every much says the same thing. So if you can't do fasting, so we know that calorie restriction is the only proven anti-aging phenomenon. So what are you doing? You're preserving the organs and the cells of your body by not so much chemicals, not so much toxin, not so much digestion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because everything you breathe, drink, eat, and put on your body goes through your body. So 
if you are not putting things in your body for all your organs to work, you're giving them a rest to repair and regenerate. So if you want to repair and regenerate, any kind of fasting is a good idea, okay? Caloric restriction, any whatever you want to call it, you know? But people have intermittent fasting, I believe, wrong. Um, you know, there's an old saying, eat like a king for breakfast, a queen for lunch, and a pauper for dinner, all right? And so why? Okay, so most people do the intermittent fasting. They, they don't eat until 11 or 12. And I go, but that's not honoring your circadian rhythm. Your circadian rhythm is you go to bed at 10, you wake up at 6, 6, you're charged, you go look at the sun, you're charged, your body's in a high metabolic rate. That's when you're supposed to be eating because if it's at a high metabolic rate, you need to be metabolizing those calories. After 5, the metabolism slows down and then you go to sleep. What is sleep time? Sleep time is regenerate, revive all the body and detoxify. So you need to eat the smallest meal, a small salad or a, a protein shake or something at dinner. So at nighttime, your body can take care of itself. So people, in my opinion, and everything I've read says that what I say is right. So it's just what I thought, but when there's science to prove it now. So people need to do the intermittent fasting, you know, do it between nine and, you know, do it between, eat between nine and five, but your smallest meal should be nighttime. And in U.S., your biggest meal is nighttime, okay, right? So we need to either do, we, we all eat too much, okay? Now, I'm naturally busy, so I have my built-in fasting. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so I'm busy all the time. So I, and I'm not a per, I eat to live as opposed to live to eat. So like I have friends that they're planning their meals every day. Yeah. So I'm, me too. I'm not like that. I, uh, food is just fuel for me to do my work. Okay. So I naturally do that all the time. I've been checking my hemoglobin A1Cs for 20 plus years. Um, I've used metformin, I've used natural things, and I my, my eating's so good, my hemoglobin A1C is 5.1. So, because I don't eat a lot, okay? Because I'm 63 now, so you have to slow down what you're taking because your body is, is not the machine it was when you were 30. So, you're young, you know, you your system works, but when you turn 60, you know, the warranty is without a doubt over. So you've got to do the repair, upkeep, and maintenance. And the best thing you can do is get a good night's sleep, drink lots of purified water, eat to live, not live to eat, exercise, move all the time, because you've got that there's exercise. There isn't a cell that the exercise doesn't help. And then you got to cleanse every day. You got to cleanse because we have more toxins and coming out with new toxins every week so we have to cleanse every day so and cleansing is complicated meaning there's simple cleanses like zeolite and then there's complicated cleanses like doing liver flush and you know all the other stuff so which i talk about in my book so but if you're going to live in 2020 you must cleanse it's not an optional thing and so whether you have cancer or not it doesn't matter okay because we all have one or more nutritional deficiencies and we have a jillion toxins, okay? And I've seen it on every single person, 
there, we, we, we were talking about heavy metals before. I've never seen anybody's blood test that says they have no heavy metals, okay? Well, the EPA says there's no safe level of any heavy metal in the body. So we've got to cleanse every day something, and you can incorporate in your life. I'm very busy, and I incorporate all these things all the time. So if I can do it, everybody else can. You just have to, like, we go, we're going to go back to discipline, okay? We have to get disciplined. Well, we have to learn a new way of living is what it is. And a new way of living takes about a year. It takes, because I tell people, by the time that you come and see me, it takes about a year to learn what you need to do. So don't expect you're going to do this overnight. You're going to take baby steps. So I teach the patients one little thing at a time because you're, you're unwinding many years of information, body accumulation of toxins, emotional entanglements, all kinds of things. So it takes about a year to re renew you and recreate you. You may actually get a new body every two years. So, but when I, when I have a cancer patient, I have to do everything now on every front because, you know, it's a crisis. Yeah, I love it. Discipline equals freedom. <laughs> That's exactly right. it. That's true. That's very true. And it's the small little tweaks that lead to these giant peaks is what you teach your patients. We're almost out of time here. I have a question that I'm going to ask you. And it's, it's interesting because I've asked you this question. I don't know if you remember, but I asked you this question in Nashville. I asked you this question. Actually, I didn't ask it in Nashville. You said this in Nashville. Then I asked you again in Newport Beach. And you said, out of all the things out there, right, sugar, vegetable oils, nutrition, bad thoughts, a sedentary lifestyle, the number one risk, the number one reason we see cancer, you said, was EMFs, exposure to EMFs. Do you still feel that way? Well, there's two things, okay, and they both start with E. So one is emotional, unresolved emotional conflict, okay? And we now know in the studies of this year that from the time that you are impregnated and create an embryo, there from that point to seven years is the most significant time of life for emotional development. So nobody knows what they went through, trauma or anything. So I would say... A emotional trauma, a mo unresolved emotional conflict is, and on my Instagram, I put this up yesterday. That is probably, I would say, number one thing, period. I consider that a toxin, okay? And none of us know how to do self-reflection. None of us. I don't care how smart or genius you are. What happens is, you. What, what happened to me, because I didn't learn any of this in medical school, but what happened to me is I got to, I had married my first, in my first marriage. And then one of my employees said, Dr. Healy, you need to go see a therapist. And I'm like, okay, like how could someone help me? Right. So then I said, okay, why am I asking this question? Of course, I'm sure they can give me something. So I, you know, the worst thing I can do is say, okay, this was terrible. And I leave. Well, it happened to be the best thing I ever did in my whole entire life. And then I learned after that point, I started learning everything about emotional intelligence. And I still learn and I'm still practicing how to be an emotionally balanced person. Because why? We're confronted with crises all the time. All of us, everybody, everybody has something going on in their life. You can't go through life without some kind of roller coaster. It's just life. Okay, that's called life. Okay. But when it comes to toxicity, 
physical toxicity, okay, I would say electromagnetic fields. And I don't think we even know all the ramifications. I mean, the studies are bound, okay, and, and physicians and scientists all over the world are forewarning all of our governments about the dangers of electromagnetic fields. So what people need to understand is that we are a vibrational frequency. Every one of our cells is a vibrational frequency. Every cell in our body can receive and transmit energy. So as a result of that, we are receiving the energy fields of electromagnetic fields. I call it the invisible energy web. And so there's a great phenomenal book that people should read called The Invisible Rainbow. And have you heard that book? No, I'm going to write it down right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. It is fantastic. The scientist, the guy who did the, the book, I mean, it's a thesis on the whole history of electricity and how it relates to humanity and medical science. Okay? So I haven't even finished the book. But anyway, I think electromagnetic fields are a beyond, they are affecting our DNA in a very, very powerful way. Unfortunately, there's no escaping it, okay? The best thing you can do is at nighttime, you sleep in a electrical-free be bedroom. You have to create a sanctuary of going to bed on time, but no electricity in your bedroom. So that means you have a switch, like I have a switch in my bedroom that I turn off the electricity every night. That does not get rid of the extraneous Electromagnetic fields, extraneous means outside of you, coming through your window, through your walls. Like if you paint with a lead paint, you can get rid of it. You can put covering over your windows, but you still, you know, we're living in it every day between iPads and cell phones and, and satellites and cell towers and on and on and on and on and on. India just now banned all cell towers from schools. I mean, the whole group of buildings that cannot have a cell tower near them. So it is a very serious problem. We don't know all the devastation. We are revealing every day the devastation. But everyone, if you read that book, it will teach you a lot about how it is affecting our body because we're an electrical, just like the nervous system is a powerful electrical signal. Your brain is an electric, I mean, it just goes on and on. And we just are not honoring, respecting our beautiful miracle of the human body. And we really have to do that. We have to honor and respect that period, or we're just, we're going to pay a price. So, so I try to do, I do have a metal blanket Okay, it's very thin. It's not heavy. It sounds ter you know terrible, but I travel with it and I carry like a grounding mat. Yeah, no, it's not a grounding mat. It's not I a grounding did that mat. That long time ago, I didn't really notice that much difference. Even though my friend, uh, doctor friend, did all the studies showing how it helped the the circulation of all the blood, but I sleep with a blanket that shields all cannot allow it to go into your body. It's very thin. And so I travel with it, I go with it, you know, everything. But I am one of those people that are very, very sensitive to electromagnetic fields. If I am in nature, okay, let's say I'm in the middle of nowhere, okay? When I say middle of nowhere, nothing, okay? I do great. <laughs> I don't need a vitamin. It, I've done experiments on myself. 
Like, let's take, for example, let's go pretend you're going to go take a hike in the Grand Canyon. So you go in there 10 miles, you walk in 10 miles, and there is no EMFs. You feel dramatically different, and it's a whole different experience. So, but I'm a person who, like, you know, is terribly affected by them. Another thing that I have, it's a heavy metal spray made up of silver and copper and methylene blue. And I spray that on my body too. So I do everything to, you know, what I can do, you know, during the day, you know, I have uh, something called a Polaroid disc. I don't know if you that, it came from uh, Poland and it helps balance the, all the chakras in your body. So that's a nice little helper. So I have all these little things that I do. And I do have a chi device uh, also um, that I travel with because when you travel in airplanes, EMFs are really bad for your system. So before, I want to mention one important thing that we didn't talk about. We were talking about blood work. And there's a blood test that we can do called a liquid biopsy. Okay. So the liquid is your blood. Because remember, you and I were talking about from one cancer cell to tumor takes 10 years. So when it gets to be a size of one or two millimeters, that's like two pencil lines, right? If you were to draw two, that's the size of about two millimeters. From that size, it starts releasing circulating tumor cells in the body. Circulating tumor cells are a sign that cancer is growing in your body. And it's a sign that you can metastasize at that size because the circulating tumor cells are responsible for 95% of metastasis. So that liquid biopsy, now there, that is done all over the world. In fact, I think just last week, there's a new company coming out in the United States to do a liquid biopsy. Now, I haven't used it yet. The ones that I've used in the United States so far are inadequate and inaccurate. So I would not recommend it. And when I say that, I've already spent, sent lots of specimens in and got completely erroneous results. So I told them, you know, look, this is not accurate. I know what this patient has. There's no way that 25 specimens can come back exactly zero. There's just no way. So the lab I use is called RGCC, which I talk about in my book. And that lab is in Greece. And the reason why it's in Greece is that the doctor is an MD, PhD that was trained in Germany. And he decided that he wanted to go back to his home roots to live and set up his lab in which he did. And it's in the middle of nowhere because I've been there. And so they have been around for about 16 years. That lab is used all over the world, not just in the United States, and it's a liquid biopsy. So remember, we talked about like a tumor won't show up for 10 years. So this shows up at year four or five when you can easily turn off the cancer machine. So, uh, and I have lots of patients that come to see me for early detection and prevention because that should be the focus not only for cancer, for heart disease, for autoimmune, for any chronic illness. And we usually don't go see a doctor until you have a problem. But people should empower themselves with a, a doctor and maybe a health, a health coach because a health coach can help the doctor execute what the patient needs to happen. Because a lot of patients, what I have found is 
we all need cheerleaders in our life and we need the social support. And so like here, we have cancer classes every week. We have all kinds of community support here because you can't do this alone. No man's an island. And it's work to be healthy. I'm not going to say it's not work, but the benefits on how you feel. I mean, every single cancer patient in one to three months after seeing me says, I haven't felt this good in 30 years or whatever years. Every single one of them. Okay. And you can coexist with cancer. Do you know what I'm saying? You can get in checkmate with cancer. I have a lot of stage four cancer patients who are living life, functioning, and we're trying this, and then we're trying that. We're doing all kinds of things to stay out of problems, all right? So I, I don't want people to think there aren't answers, because there are answers, and there's continuing. Since, since I wrote that book, I mean, science information has quadrupled. Okay. So, time for a new book. You know, <laughs> time for a new book, honestly. Yeah. So it's a time for a new book of all the new things that we're learning. Yeah. And so I want people to, like, you don't give up on yourself. You, you would never give up on somebody else. So don't give up on yourself and empower yourself with information. And it's information all the time. So, like, for example, if I always listen to something spiritual every morning because I need to start my day in a very peaceful place because I know that my day is going to be filled with one horror story after another, literally. Okay. And it is okay. But that's my job. Okay. And so if I start my day and arm my day with my green juice and my vitamin C and my liver stuff and la 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 I do. And then I, you know, I have to do the a mantra of spiritual peace. And we all have to do that. And because how we're thinking is how our cells are behaving. So good. <laughs> uh, real quick before we wrap this up, liquid biopsy, RGCC, lab and grease, where can somebody get that done? Uh, they, could, they would just go online and look and see where the doctors are located. Okay. I will tell you a lot of my patients, I do a lot of phone and Zoom and Skype and all these other things. So what I will do is I'll say, okay, look, here's, this is what you can get done at your local lab. And then I do uh, bioenergetic testing. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll say, look, why don't you fly in for one day and we're going to do a slew of things and I'll do the RGCC. I will see them, examine them, and then I will do a bioenergetic testing. So remember, we were talking about we're all bioenergetic beings. And so you have acupuncture points in your fingers and toes that correspond to every organ in your body. And so, and that's been known for 5,000 years, but a Dr. Reinhold Voll, V-O-L-L, he was a physicist, medical doctor. He knew exactly what the points were and what organ they connected to. So you, you're basically looking to see how the violin of your body is in tune or not in tune. And it identifies the interference fields in the body, but it also will give me a timeline. So remember, we talked about the timeline of 10 years. So the 10-year timeline, I can tell if someone is in year one, two, three, four with that testing. So wow. with the blood test, with the RGCC and that, I can tell very quickly, very quickly. When I say quickly, within 
you know, by the, it takes our GCC about 10 to 14 days to get back. I can tell all the things we need to fix pretty much. That's amazing. So where, where can they go find your, your work and, and set that up with you? Yeah, they just can go to KeneallyMD and they can Dot find com. it. Yeah, yeah. com. We'll put that in the notes. We'll put in the notes along with your books that if you're watching on YouTube, I have right here. Uh, and you might be writing a new one now, but The Cancer Revolution and Be Perfectly Healthy. We'll put the links for this down below. Go get these books and educate yourself and share it with a loved one you know who has cancer. And share this episode with a loved one you know who has cancer, or just anybody. Uh, Dr. Keneally, I want to thank you so much for your brilliance and just showing up in this world and, and being that genius that is being proactive instead of reactive. And I just, uh, I really enjoy this conversation. I know it's going to help so many lives and I look forward to the future work that you're going to put out into the world. Thank you. It's my privilege. Well, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. It was the untold truth about cancer. And hopefully this inspires you to do some research and to share this with somebody you know who has cancer. Share it with a loved one, a family member. Share it with somebody who wants to be preventative. Just share this because you never know the life you can change just by sharing this podcast. I encourage you to go to the notes of this podcast and go check out Dr. Keneally's books, her website, all the resources that we mentioned can be found in the notes down below. Take a screenshot of this on your phone, post it on Instagram, and let us know you listened to it. Let Dr. Keneally know at KeneallyMD at the Benazadi. When I see your tag on Instagram, I'll share it on my stories and we'll get some other keto campers following you back. I also want to remind you to leave a rating and review for the Keto Camp Podcast if you haven't done so already on Apple Podcast. These reviews help the show grow and expand and essentially change more lives. So please leave that honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And when you do, take a screenshot, send it to support at Keto Camp with your shipping address in the United States, and I will sign a paperback copy of my best-selling fasting book and mail it out to you as a thank you. Hey, I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.